Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 Culture That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Hello, Culture Fear. Um, here I am. I have done an unprecedented step as far as Culture Fear is concerned. I am doing, I'm having conversations long distance over the interweb. It is magical. Um, yeah, I never really wanted to, well, not didn't want to, I never did do it and I always was like, oh, I'm going to sort out speaking to people face-to-face gets me in different places. But obviously, um, as every single person that will listen to this knows that I ain't seen anyone for some time. Um, so I thought I'd message some people that I've wanted to have on the podcast for like ages and do it and thankfully um Catherine was up for it Catherine from the bands fresh um cheerbleeders me rex um yeah so um yeah first off i hope you're all doing fine um and it's totally okay if you're not like you're gonna see things pushing like about how to be productive in this time how to get the most out of this fuck that if you are struggling to do that that's fine don't put the pressure on you to do anything else like everything every single scenario you'll have people telling you oh and you can be so productive because of this like fuck it you do you and if you can't like for me I was like how can I like get my head ticking along fuck it I'm gonna do one thing that I really love I'm gonna speak to people and record it about like what the things that they love so this is like this is what I'm doing but um, yeah don't try not to put too much pressure on yourself it's just what I would say if you're struggling and you're not really sure to talk to like you are more than welcome to like email me um, and I'll do the best I can um, with that to have some crack or anything more Um, but yeah so Thank you for listening. This is with Catherine from Fresh. If this is your first time, basically you're about to hear it, but I just have like a long conversation with um, the guests about certain things, see where it goes basically. Um, Yeah, Fresh is a band, like, so I guess I met Catherine through her playing, like through seeing her band Fresh. Such a great band, like so vibrant and fun. And, like, I say it in the podcast, but, like, for me, like, they're a celebration, you know. um, Like, yeah, I just love them. I think that they're, like, a band that inspires so many people, whether the people listening know it or whether, like, they know it. And I think they're great. And I wanted to... And I also think that, like, Catherine is, like, someone who's, like, amazingly self-aware of herself and has, like... So it was, like, great to really pick her brains about, like, certain things, which I do. So I just want to say thanks to her because this is the first time I've ever done it on the internet. It could have been, like, proper rubbish, but I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, 
If you did, please like tell a mate that you think might like it. You know, if you don't want to do that, that's calm. Um, thank you for listening. Look after yourself. And there's going to be quite a few of these coming out as quickly as I can, really. Um, yeah, so enjoy. Hey, Catherine, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I guess we were just like, um, so you're just about to finish off university in like a few months, right? How is everything with already like a strange situation with that on top? Yeah, I mean, like I am doing a language, so it's a four year course. So I'm my fourth year. Like I've been doing uni probably the same like amount of time I've been touring. So like uni has never been like a normal like it's always been always been weird and always been like stressful and but this is the first time it's not been my choice like it's just something (laughs) to everyone as opposed to like oh sorry I'm taking three weeks out but I'll still be online and can I can I sit this exam now and you know like so in a way actually I mean for the first week I felt nothing it was completely fine I kind of had a bit of a like a panic this week but like I do feel like for my uni at least like all the professors just want us to be like not anxious and do well and like I mean I've done the whole course I might as well sit the exam like I'm you know I feel okay about it as stressed as I feel about anything else but also like it's not more stressful than anything else you know what I mean (laughs) yeah that's an amazing way to um approach it and I yeah I guess it's quite funny this is like the the time that you have to dedicate most to it because you can't really dedicate your time to anything else exactly exactly yeah um and that's amazing that they've been like really approachable with everything I guess the whole time yeah yeah um Um, my department is really supportive um and they have been of me and like my band as well um in fact for our London show a couple of my professors came and that was really nice my that is so nice. Yeah, like my supervisor for my dissertation used to play in a quite a big band and used to tour a lot. So she knows what it's like. Um, so I feel like I'm very lucky, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. Have you like checked out your professor's band? And, like, I have, oh, cool. and people know them, but I don't want to I don't want to say who they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool, though. Um, so. So you're doing French, right? Yes, we. We, super. Why French? Well, um, I don't have any French family or parents. My family all Irish, um, but I mean, I grew up monolingual. I don't really speak Irish very well because um, I grew up in London. Um, but when I was eleven, we obviously you change you start secondary school you change schools I went to a a new school and French was like the first time you know it was the first time I'd ever studied French and had lessons and like before that I'd been Spanish at primary school and I was really into Spanish um so I guess I was a languages person but I didn't really think about I didn't think of myself as a language person I thought of myself as like a English writer person as a kid um and I was having a really hard time at French. Like we had to do a conjugation like exam. And I remember it got to the point where I was resitting resets. Um 
in year seven as well. So I don't know. That's so intense. Like so intense for year seven. Like just let it go, you know, like (laughs) fucking levels or whatever. I do remember that. And like, I was not gelling with French. I didn't like it. Couldn't understand it. Um, And then my mum met this lady who goes to our church, uh, a French lady who did like private classes so she was like, well, I'll take Catherine on, you know, for once a week. And she was just the best teacher. She's like this old French Catholic lady who like, and I'm still very close to her today. Like she, she taught me right up to A-level. Um, and I don't know, like, I think I just, I realized that I liked languages and I got really into French and it kind of spiraled to the point where it got to uni applying and I was like, oh, I could either do English or French. And I just yeah. applied, I applied for French for only one uni and that's the uni I got and wanted to go to so it isn't like but I mean I love languages and I love I guess I love French like I've lived there now and I've worked there and it is I mean it's not something that I envisage doing but it is definitely like a passion on par with music but it's it's a very separate kind of world for me yeah (laughs) so um as someone that's like not too sure so is doing like French at uni it's mm. like doing English at uni. You're writing and you're like learning about like, like obviously there's like literature and la- language, but like it would be the same. It's not like when we're at school and we're learning, we're like just learning how to talk a bit. It's more, exactly. it's a bit more in depth. It's yeah. not just like after four years, you have to have a really in-depth conversation. It's more like understanding. Yeah. I mean, we do, we do oral class exams. Like I've got an oral exam next month and like to give you a thing like I'm going to be comparing the opening and closing shots of Parasite um and talking about how it signifies class structure in the film media you know etc yeah. etc et it is like an English lit degree but French um, that's amazing like a yeah. core language module where you have to like analyze a speech and then creatively write a response you've the oral bit and then the modules I've taken are like 16th century encounters with the new Incoma world, like the French colonial missions um, to America and kind of I'm going to write about native voices and stuff. And what else? I do translation as well, which I'm really into. So it's quite, yeah. quite involved. It's like a great degree. Like I love the modules. God, I sound like a fucking advertisement for King's College. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> <laughs> socially, like I, I never, I've, I always lived at home, so... I, yeah. I have friends, but like friends that I'll sit next to in classes and chat with, but not friends that I go out with. Like I very much, the band in a way has kind of taken that away from me, but I'm not complaining because like the scene is a great social thing anyway. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. That's great. So like, um, just to quickly go back. So like with like you um, talk like writing about Parasite, yeah. would you write, would you write your analysis in English and then you'll look at it and you'll be like, right, how do I write this in French? And certain like sentences, you're like, right, I can say this two ways, but there's mm-hmm. like a slight difference, which makes it mean slightly different things, like that kind of thing. That is always like a thing in translation. But for this parasite thing, it's an oral exam. So I'll be okay. speaking it. Um, and to be honest, like that, while that is exactly how I approach translation, if you do that for your French writing, the professors, when they mark it, they can tell you were thinking in English just by the way your syntax is oh. and like, the way your writing is. It's really difficult because, like, I think for until you get to uni or like whenever, like, there is a long time of your language education where you are thinking in English and translating as you go, but you yeah. won't be able to 
express yourself fluently in the native style until you're thinking in French, if you know what I mean. And yeah. to be honest, for me, that only came after I lived there. So, which was like yeah. like a year and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, so like, um, so have you played in France a few times at this point? Musically? Yeah, a few times. Yeah. Not as much as like, yeah. Um, yeah. I'd, I don't know how many times, but we've played like Germany more. But yeah, we have played yeah, there quite yeah. a lot. So do you... Um, speak French on stage or is it uh, just seeing how you feel day by day? I remember the first time we did it, I was in like my first year in uni and I wasn't, the first time we played, we played Lille, I think, in the north and I definitely, I was not confident enough to do it. And I tried, but I was like, I was so shy. And then (laughs) we didn't play in France until when I lived there and we were touring around and like, and also, well, we've played in Switzerland as well, and we've played in Lausanne, which is like the French-speaking part. We've yeah. been there a couple of times. I've been there with Fresh and with Cheerbleeders. So the t- that was actually last September. I was there at Cheerbleeders, and that was the most recent time I've been to a French-speaking country. And like, I was definitely like showing off, pretending I couldn't understand French, and listening to all like the local like scene band pitch <laughs> about the Americans and stuff. And I was like, aha. <laughs> 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 Yeah, uh, it's been a gradual increase of confidence for sure. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Um, okay, so I guess um, like going back from where you're at um, right now. So, so you grew up in London, like you said, with two like an Irish yeah. family. Yeah, my parents both from Dublin. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, were you were they in London when you were born? Yes. So they. Well, they graduated in the 80s from UCD where they met um, and there were no jobs. So they were considering Australia or England. And my dad's mum got very upset at the Australia idea because, you know, no internet. (laughs) It was like, no, we'll lose you. Um, So they moved to the UK and they had my older brother and me. And I think there was a while where, you know, it was, should we go back or whatever? But I think by the time my brother and me started school, um it was you know pretty pretty obvious we were going to stay and then my sisters came along like seven years later um Mm. so I I I don't know there's talk now that they're getting close to retiring of going back but uh I I uh, yeah I've never lived in in Dublin or Ireland although I've you know I go all the time (laughs) yeah yeah how um like I guess it's quite a broad and like complex question but like do you have like a certain relationship with Ireland like that you have found and yourself yeah I mean with the accent that I have I find it very hard to say that I'm Irish um I've like I I recognize that like I've grown up culturally in 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 the UK but also I think growing up in London is a certain kind of like multinational it like London isn't like the rest of England and I don't have any mm. family in the UK besides my my immediate family have moved here. Um, in terms of like my parents and like, you know, speaking Irish and stuff. Um, I think it's funny, like more people in my family are different about it. My brother is very, very into like Irishness. Like he, he plays at the local GAA and like stuff. I, I think 
I'm more, I don't know, I don't really have any Irish friends. Um, yeah. Like I, I didn't keep in touch with all of my, we went to a very Irish primary school because we went to Catholic schools. Um, yeah. So the same, I didn't really keep in touch with friends from church either because that kind of stopped for me, whereas other people in my family are obviously way more still in that community. So I am Irish and I'm very proud to be Irish and not English because English people suck. But <laughs> I also, you know, I mean, with, with this accent, like I'm not going to go around being like, oh yeah, well, I'm Irish because, you know, I mean, recently I was in Dublin, I was on a date and um, I leaned over the bar and I asked, said to them, I said to the guy, I said to the guy, I needed him to charge my phone. I said, would you mind charging this behind the bar? And this kind of oldest guy, like, next to me just went the bar you know like, <laughs> and like he was completely right like he owned me and like what was I gonna say oh no actually I have family like I'm sure every fucking third generation plastic paddy says that you know <laughs> like um yeah. so I mean I you know I'm I think actually listening to the blind boy podcast as well has helped me feel a bit more in touch with my Irishness and my Irish my Irish identity um I have I have an Irish passport like um and in terms of like my family like all of my family are from Dublin and before that they're all from Kerry as far back as you can go. Oh uh, amazing my family's from Kerry actually. Oh sick. Um I went I went to like Kenmare um a couple of years ago with my family um cuz normally we just go Dublin but Yeah. Yeah like I I think I think it's something I don't talk about a lot but it is a big part of my identity. But also there's like an inherent, I'm also, I also think I'm a Londoner, you know what I mean? And yeah, I think yeah, being definitely. a Londoner, having parents who aren't English, like especially as a Londoner who went to like Catholic schools, everyone's parents were Irish, Polish, Nigerian, Caribbean, like um, Sri Lankan. Like there's yeah. like a certain sect of, um, there's certain countries where Catholicism is more, um, <laughs> yeah, like you don't English Catholics. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah, and I guess yeah, like I guess just um, pulling up on like that, uh, you t- talking about how like listening to the Blind Boy uh, uh, podcast because, but I guess he talks about the like he talks a lot about Irish identity, but he also talks about mm-hmm. the complexities of like what being mm-hmm. Irish is both to people that have like always been in Ireland and like also the complexities of being like Irish and then like having left Ireland and like second generation Irish or like not Irish people and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, Cool. Um, Yeah, totally. um, I agree. I, I think that's where that kind of awareness of like the privilege I have as an Irish person, but also as an Irish person with the accent I have and with the upbringing I have. And like, you know, like, but also that kind of awareness that my entire culture, there's a reason I can't speak Irish, you know, and there's a reason I'm here and there's a reason I have this accent. And it is because of a long history of colonialism on the side of the Brits, but also kind of making sure that I equate that with other facets of colonialism to people who aren't white and compare the kind of loss I've had to theirs and understand that I am still privileged. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Especially like from, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but when I think of like, um, 
like the British don't understand uh, as a like broad uh, thing, but like I don't think British people and especially like English people understand that Irish is like very or an Irish people feel themselves very yeah. different to English and British people. So where that can be maybe right. frustrating for a lot of Irish people, but it's also definitely like um a like it's like easy to like is code switch the right word, but like it's easy to like people just think like people don't see you as different. Yeah. Um but yeah, cool. Uh I, I was like yeah it's a complex but um, I think it's like interesting, like obviously to hear that it is something just like it sounds like growing up in London is part of your identity as well. And obviously so many other things. Yeah. Just thought, like um, totally. I see every now and again that you yeah. talk about your being Irish or your Irishness. So where I've never, but I thought I'd scratch that at the surface a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting because like, yeah, as, as you said, like when I, when I lived in the south of France, there was no point telling people I was Irish because they didn't know what the difference that was like to Welsh. And like they, you know, like the further you go away from where you are, the more, the, the less people know about, you know. So no one's going to understand the nuances between, for example, I lived with a girl from Cardiff, um, from the uni of Cardiff. And it, when people called us like the English girls or the English assistants, she would get very annoyed and she'd be like, I'm not English. You know, I've never, never lived in England. None of my family's been, you know. And the same with, same with a Scottish assistant we had from Glasgow who had a very, like she had a Glaswegian accent and the, we all worked as teachers. And her supervising teacher asked her if she could like tone down her accent because the kids couldn't understand her. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, little like, little like, I don't know, like examples of people not understanding or examples of people kind of not meaning to, but like just turning everything into your English. Whereas in reality, you know, there's a whole diaspora of people in England who are not, you know, English. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so whereabouts in London did you grow up? West London, Wembley. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's where I am now. I shouldn't put any any more precise location though. <laughs> yeah, don't drop any <laughs> locations. Um and um so you so it was a big change when you moved to secondary school, would you yeah. say? Yeah, because it was an all girls school, whereas primary school was like you know, primary school's primary school. <laughs> yeah. All fun and games. And were you um were you always playing music and was music always like part of like family or like school life? No, not at all, really. Like, I didn't learn guitar till I was, like, 15, maybe. I still yeah. remember I learned a C chord. My friend Molly taught me, like, the C chord, and I was so like, oh, my God, um, which was really exciting. But, I mean, as, like, a young kid and, like, I was really into singing. Um, I, like, so I've always liked singing, I guess, and, like, for the primary school end of year, like, musical or play or whatever, I was, like, the lead I was very much like <laughs> that girl, that annoying girl who won't stop singing. Um, and like in secondary school and I was in all the choirs and we did like tours to like Paris and Hong Kong and stuff. Wow. Yeah. So I wasn't really an instrumentalist, but I was, I guess I was a musician or like a performer. Um, but my, my parents aren't musical. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think it's a family thing. They like music, but no one in my family is really a 
has musical background. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when um when did you start like when was you like when did you start whether it was like family members as well but you started mm. being like this is like my music. What was you like into? I mean, I think I think when I was in the school choir and we were traveling and doing tours and stuff like I was into what you know whatever 16 year old girls are into I really liked Imagine Dragons for a while (laughs) I I didn't really have like a strong sense of music genre um until I was probably 15 or 16 before that it was like I like whatever my parents listened to which was Madonna, ABBA, Queen, uh, ELO like you know parent music which is great but it's not your music um and then I got really into My Chemical Romance when I was like 14 Um, and but yeah I didn't start playing playing guitar till like 15 but um so then I kind of I remember one of the first songs I learned or it was definitely the first song I learned how to play guitar like standing up Um, (laughs) my guitar teacher like going along accompanying me on drums in school um was basket case um so and that was when I was about 15 and that was really exciting I had a music teacher at school who would like who would like accompany me and um, he used to like put me on the guest list for like Fallout Boy shows and stuff. I I don't know. What? Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, wild. Go, but you have to write a review. And I go, oh, all right. Um, I also got to see like Noah and the Whale and stuff. Um, cool. And that was like a really that made me really excited. So I think f- when I started being into music, it was more of like a I did I wanted to write about music because I I thought I was a writer and like I was really into English lit. I was like a languages person. I didn't really see myself as like a musician besides like the hobby aspect. So I really liked like uh, writing reviews and talking about music and kind of trying to like pin down why I liked this song and stuff. And I think that that teacher uh, was very like important to me for that. And he was like very encouraging of that. And also my guitar skills, which were like not good at the time, but he, you know, he knew how to encourage me and be like, you're really good at like doing this and like, you know, making me confident enough to keep going. Cause when you start guitar, it's not, it's not really fun. Like you have to do a lot of work and that you do need to like have your confidence, like buoyed up a lot, especially if, especially maybe if you're a girl and you're young and you're starting out, like, you know, you need, you know, there's, it's very easy to like get frustrated and stop. Um, yeah. In fact, he comes to fresh shows like sometimes and it's always nice to see him. Does um, he write reviews of you? He does not. He, <laughs> he's way, he, yeah, he's, I think he still teaches at that school actually, at, at my old school. Oh, cool. Um, nice. Yeah. So would you say now <laughs> the band, like not you're in like multiple bands, but so like music is more than a hobby for you? Yeah. A bit like French, it's just spiraled. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. oh no, not, not in a bad way, but oh like this is happening um yeah it's it's def but like I do call it a hobby because like it is genuinely like the one thing I love doing like it is a pure pleasure project and it does also happen to like I mean you know like it takes up a lot of my time and I guess like but yeah I I, I'm I'm always so so hesitant to call anything more than a hobby and I'm always very careful to like make sure that I have other avenues to me because like I don't want to financially rely on a band, you know. 
Yeah. Do you think that that would change? Is it just this? Is it just the scary thought of the thing that you enjoy like most? Then maybe being something that you resent because you need the money or do you think it's that the empowerment of this is the thing I enjoy most and I don't need to rely on it with money I can I work all the time because I get to do the thing I love with the money from elsewhere well I mean until quite until kind of recently um as in the summer last year, I had a, I worked at a, at a music studio. So, I mean, I, I work, I've, ha, you know, I've had jobs that are tied up to music anyway. So yeah. it's not that I don't, it's not that I'm shying away from the idea of living off the band. It's just that that's a big step between that, that, that it's, you know, it's one stage yeah. between the band being a hobby and then making that switch over. And it's a big step and I want to do it when I'm ready for it. And I'm definitely not averse to it. It's just like, I'm not the kind of person who, to be honest, like there's always going to be pressure to write songs, whether it's just pressure for like the people who like your band or it's money pressure. So I'm not mm. worried about the idea of feeling like I'd have to write for money because I, I feel very secure in like, I'm always going to be writing music. Like I, I want, I want to be like 80 and like, with like 60 albums behind me. Like, <laughs> yeah. so it doesn't matter whether whether there's money as a pressure of that, because there's always going to be my own pressure to like, well, what am I writing next? Cause it's something I enjoy. And it's like the, the most fulfilling thing in my life. Um, it's just rather like, I want to, I want everything to happen at, at the right time for me and for the other, other three. Um, I imagine we're talking about fresh, <laughs> um, but you know, like I, I want it to suit everyone and I want everyone in the fresh world to like be on the same page. So right now I'm still, I'm still a student. Um, so I can still like use that label. The band, <laughs> like the band has helped me a few times with money and like stuff, but you know, it's right now it's, I do some like freelance translation. Um, you know, I've got other avenues, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Um, and, um, yeah, so I guess we'll go back a, a bit. So yeah. obviously, so you're right playing music and yeah. like, it's cool that your guitar teacher was like very early on, like, right. And this is how you play to drums. Like fortunately, yeah. you can play drums the best. Um, yeah, uh, he was always super like, he was always super eager to talk to me about the kind of whole mechanics of the band. It wasn't sit down and let's play green sleeves. It was more like, this is what it's like to play accompanying a drummer. And now in the next lesson, I'm going to play the bass part alongside. And I know you don't have any interest in learning piano, but I want you to learn this piano part and you should go to the oh, wow. show and write a, write a review. And um, the only reason I can put you on the guest show is because I know the manager and the manager is the person, you know, it was very much like, it was very all encompassing. And I think he was very, I, I, like, he definitely is the reason that I had this kind of weird like complete like unfounded confidence as a as a as a person starting my band I thought I was like hot shit and I was not <laughs> and he gave that to me which I'm very gr- glad about because I think if I tried to stand like start a band now at like the grand age of 23 I would be a lot less self-assured and stuff so I'm very glad it all happened when it did <laughs> yeah that teenage um yeah and go, I guess. totally and- I was like yeah why not <laughs> Do you think he was like that with other p- 
people or do you think that it was something in you whatever it was the music you listened to or like the way that you were excited about playing guitar that it was like oh okay like Catherine is into this I think I at that time I was quite I mean I didn't have like a very fun adolescence I think I was quite vulnerable so you probably saw that I was like looking for like a thing to have um and I was I was probably very much um I I think I definitely I mean without a doubt I definitely when I was 15 16 I saw music as like the way I could express myself and just kind of keep going and get through what was not a good time um in general like that whole period um so yeah it was but you know I think the other students I knew he had all said the same thing like he he's a great teacher um so it's a bit of it's a bit of both a bit of like the situation I was at the kind of I did have this drive just because I was in a bad place and I had like nothing else um so yeah it all it all lined up yeah sounds like he's got um great intuition on yeah people, I guess totally. which is um I, I like amazing that it's fortunate that he's in a role like that he can help people I exactly. guess yeah um and then when did you start playing with like peers um, so I, I met James, who is the old former guitarist of Fresh, current guitarist of Kira Kira Benito. Um, so he's definitely, he's definitely moved up in the world, but I met oh, okay. James. I don't, I don't know that band. I remember seeing him play and he was like a total shredder, but I don't know, uh, oh, yeah. Kira well, Kira Benito. They're really, they're really good band. Um, you should listen to them. Um, so yeah, James was a total shredder. Um, and I met him, he was a few years older than me. We met at a windmill show, I think, um, a long time ago and kind of, I wanted, I played bass in his like band, which was called the Elizabeths. And it was kind of folk rock kind of power pop, I guess it was, it was, it was nothing at all to do with this current scene we're in. And I don't think any of the people really, um, but, uh, that never really got to shows. We just played in rehearsal rooms. And then I was kind of just like, I guess I don't really remember how it happened, but I must've been quite um, just like, I want to do something now. And I was like, you know, James was like a kind of guy and he had a home recording set up. So he recorded Gooing Chum and These Things Are Not That Fun, which like are the early fresh EPs. And we whacked him up on Bandcamp and I went into full like, I want everyone to hear these mode. Um, like, and gosh, I just, and then I fresh started playing power lunches shows with yeah. um, Joey four and play lounge kind of bands like that. Um, and then through that, we somehow got sorted on a show with, I told you to eat you in sad blood. And that's when I met George and Dan. Um, and then after that I was like we should do a sad blood fresh weekender I'm like 18 19 by now and Sarush and Diaz who were the original guitar and bassist and drummer of fresh Diaz was 15 so he wasn't going to be able to tour um (laughs) and Sarush I don't know I don't think Sarush didn't want to or something so George and Dan filled in and then I was like well these guys are much more like reliable not not to any of Sarush and Diaz's like discredit like they just you know different aims and like obviously there's not much you can do when you're 15 so they replaced them in the band and then James left the band after our first record and then Miles joined 
and what happened then and then just everything kept spiraling and spiraling and here we are and i say spiraling in a good way but also in a chaotic way <laughs> <laughs> yeah well people connected with them those uh that first uh, demo or the first like release that you did like pretty like you said you were getting shows like regularly as well yeah. but like people were into it weren't they I was pretty surprised because well i at the time like i listen back to them now we like in fact we took them off spotify like last year and i asked for that to happen just because not because like i like i understand their importance but like i didn't want that to be the first thing a new listener would come across like i just yeah and like as long as they're on Bandcamp and like they're accessible to people they always will be but i didn't want them to kind of represent us now just because like at the time i thought they were so good i was like oh my god this recording is amazing but you know like my I didn't I wasn't as good a singer I wasn't as obviously as good as a guitarist like and I feel like I've learned so much since then um but I do remember being surprised by the band camp response when I put it up because I didn't know anybody and um like people were just you know like strangers when strangers buy your music and say nice things it's very strange <laughs> um, and I remember just being excited about that and like, it was like last like year of like school and I would go in and be, feel like, oh, I've got this secret band and no one knows about it. Oh yeah, my band in my head. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So you weren't telling people at school that you were doing this band and stuff like that? No. And this other boy won at the end of year, like superlatives. He won best mixtape because he did like a SoundCloud rap thing. And I was so annoyed, even though I told no one, I was like, fuck <laughs> i do one of my favorite things of like being in a band i guess is that like when you write a song and you're like this is the best song we've written <laughs> it's so fucking good but like you and you legitimately think that in the moment but also there must you don't think but then you don't think about the fact that you really hope that you're going to be thinking that in like six weeks or like two years time or however long it yeah. is until you're writing your next songs. But like in that moment, it's like by far the best song you've ever written, but like you need to keep on doing that as well. We well, don't need to, but like you do keep on doing that if you're like enjoying being in the band as well. Yeah. To survive. Like that's the thing. I'm so picky with the songs that we go ahead and record. Cause I'm like, if I can't listen to this song and play the song for two years, like <laughs> then there's no point. Like, yeah, I can I can tell immediately when I write a song which one has that buzz of like, okay, I will be able to tolerate this song for a long time. Um, and that's my criteria normally um, when we talk about which ones we're going to jam, all four of us. Um, yeah. Yeah. But there's so, no surprises. Like there's a lot of songs we've written have resonated with people. And like Revenge wasn't, wasn't like I'm surprised that one resonated off Withdraw. But then again, I'm not looking back, but at the time it wasn't the song that like when we were picking, like what song should we put out first and stuff? I wasn't like revenge. I just considered that to be like a good closer. So, you yeah. know, you can never tell basically. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a nice thing as well, especially like, I'm not sure how long it takes you to um, get records out, but you mm -hmm. know, it can feel like the longest time in the world, but then the songs kind of take on a new life if people respond to them. like. Yeah. It, like gets, revenge and it gets so much more fun like once you know that people know the songs because we were playing the withdraw songs for a while before they came out and like it was fun we we often we try and play them live as much as possible before we record them because it makes us tighter and it makes us understand the song better 
like it, it gives the song more dynamic as opposed to if you write it go into the recording studio and yeah. never performed it so like but once the withdrawal came out and then people were singing the words it was a hundred times more enjoyable and the songs took on a new life through like how other people received them yeah that's so cool um so do you write fresh songs like are they for the most part like you write the song send them round and yeah, it goes from there i write a demo so but because of like how fucking great the other three are like a demo can sound very different like if you heard the demos to punisher and withdraw especially a couple others like the lyrics is a thing i write 100 percent um and normally like the skeleton structure of the song like the basic chords um but besides that like the guys arrange their parts completely how and other people's parts and you know like yeah like the i i guess i write the songs but also i kind of don't it, it's a very team effort i'd say the lyrics are completely mine you yeah. know no one none of no one in my band has ever ever suggested i change a lyric or commented on the lyrics which i kind of appreciate from them because i guess in a way like i do consider that to be like as as a as someone who likes writing and language like i i don't consider myself to be a particularly like um special musician in terms of guitar and stuff um but i do think i i i bring something to the table with lyrics and songwriting so i'm glad that they understand and respect that and i'm also glad they know that i i i want them to help in the musical arranging part if you know what i mean yeah definitely with the lyrics like are you like is that painstaking at times or is that like you're really confident in that oh this is like flown out of me and this is great the songs that we end up recording and that end up being put out the songs that people know as fresh songs are all songs that have like come out in like a couple minutes in terms of like just me sitting down with my guitar and lyrics and stuff um, but I also do a lot of just like writing, like I have a notebook and I just write and write and write ideas and themes and phrases and lyrics or whatever pops into my head because stuff pops into my head all the time when I'm not in front of a notebook and I just put them in my notes app and write them down later. Um, and then when I'm writing, it kind of, I, I find a melody I like or a chord I like and I kind of play about with it and then however I'm feeling or I don't know, like lyrics come out that way and it all just kind of comes together very organically. But it it's great in that that happens, but it also means that it's quite difficult to plan. <laughs> I just try and like be in front of a guitar as much, like have a guitar in my hands as much as possible so that if, if I'm in the mood for something to come out that I like, I can quickly, you know, get it down, get voice memos on and send it off to the guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing. And how was that? like with cheerbleeders can like mm. obviously that come a few years later and yeah. how how is that and how do you think like was it like difficult or was it like oh this is how fresh is and this is really helpful with these two other people that have the, their own way of working and mm. also we're going to find our own way of working together yeah I mean I think a bit of both but the point of cheerbleeders was that it was supposed to be difficult because we all had our own ways because all three of us had never really written collaboratively with other women so like we were like well it's really uncomfortable to sit around the circle and throw out lyrics so let's do that like let's make like this has to be uncomfortable let's challenge ourselves let's have this band let's write in a way that none of us write normally 
um and like the whole purpose of it was to to try and like examine that and kind of push ourselves and it's been really exciting so that's how cheerleaders works a very like purposeful collaborative um kind of maybe more like unselfconscious lyrical process as well because we really do just there have been points we've just been like sitting in the circle like okay no ideas off the table what's the next line what are we doing what rhymes with eyes like <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah it's that's really so cool. cool yeah both have their merits for sure i'm yeah, glad to yeah. do both <laughs> yeah and it sounds amazing that they've both got their like purpose of the band as well yeah that's great um with uh the first album yeah um i feel like it and the, obviously um i'd like so for i'll tell you the story of when i first heard it actually oh, cool. um i was i was in ireland with um and uh kate and collie from the winter passing i was we were driving to father ted's house Nice. and um it was the day the record came out so we put it on oh, in the wow. car i remember being like we were all just like yeah this is like fucking brilliant um, <laughs> um but like um did it take a bit am i like right in thinking it took a bit longer than like it it might have to get that record out i'm trying to think i mean honestly i know I, like it it's hard to remember you know cuz yeah. when the thing with fresh is that we we've never really had a break <laughs> like we you know it's been intense 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 in the best way um so I think back to then and like I do think like it was a complete other time um I remember what do I remember we we recorded it very quickly it took us three days um mm. and then it was done I did the vocals all in one day at the ranch in Southampton um and it was live as well we we recorded it live um with obviously like the a lot of james's more fiddly guitar parts he he overdubbed um later um but all my guitar my guitars were live with the bass and drums and then afterwards i think maybe it because it was our debut album maybe it did take a little bit of a while to get out i think we released it in i honestly can't remember when we released it, it might have been september or something and i do remember it was cold in the ranch when we filmed filmed uh recorded so yeah maybe yeah maybe there was that big thing but i i probably attribute that to the fact that we were signed special subject and we didn't know like it was like we were getting to know them for the first time and it was our first record with them so there was probably definitely went a lot slower and like more uncertain than withdraw did because by that point we were like yeah 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 let's get out <laughs> Yeah, and um, that relationship that you have with Special Subject, like, um, yeah. is like relationship the right word for that? Do you think? Yeah, definitely. Like, they're I I admire the two of them hugely, and I we're friends. Like, and that is really cool because, like, I do remember when I was eighteen, nineteen, and Fresh supported Ship Present, and that's when Andrew and Kay were at that show, and I knew that they were at the show, and I was like, oh my god, I hope they like my band. And um, then they were like, oh, if you ever need help booking a tour or if you need, you know, some contacts for a weekend or whatever, let us know. And then I did that and they helped us with that. And then when Andrew said, well, we'd really like to put out a fresh album, it was just really exciting. Um, but then kind of in between fresh coming, the, the, the self-titled album coming out and withdraw, I've definitely got to know them way better like as people and to become real friends with them because it was a working relationship at first. We lived in different cities. Um, we didn't get the chance to go to Exeter and then Bristol like a lot. 
Um, and like now Andrew, Andrew drives us quite, quite often on tours. Like he drove us on the pup tour, um, and kind of acts as like a, a TM. Um, so he's definitely someone I can trust and him and Kay are like people whose like opinion I really value. And like, I do feel like I feel very lucky to be in that like community because the whole Bristol special subject community is like, in my opinion, the best one in the UK. <laughs> yeah that's amazing that's so nice to hear that um just like trust and like friendship when it comes to like the other people putting out your like the other people that are like part of the records that you're putting out yeah it's so important and like I I completely because it's all I've ever done I guess we Chibli is on Alcopop as well and that's cool but for the majority of it's the only label I've been on and I really didn't realize that like just thought everyone had great labels and so when, so for example, when, what are they called? Tri- not, uh, fuck. The band in America, the, the label in America, Adult Mums. Old oh, label. okay. Um, yeah, um, I don't want to say a label and then get it wrong. Yeah, exactly but yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, fuck. But I mean, they don't need their name put out even more. It's probably best that they just not talked about for a Yeah, exactly. So when that happened, like, and I realized there were labels that didn't give artists their masters or labels that didn't, like that weren't transparent and that didn't work with artists and there was the possibility that a label could actually not have your best interest at heart I was that made me of course I knew it before but it kind of actually made me really understand that I was lucky to have always had for my band from the get-go like a really stable supporting and like exciting label to work with yeah and um, I just like, um, I find it really interesting that like you said, when you like first started playing shows, that was like your introdu- introduction to yeah. like the scene, quote yeah. unquote. Like I, f- um, I, I think that obviously it's hard to like, that is your, that's your experience. So it's hard to be like, this is different to someone else's. But I think mm-hmm. that's like really interesting that you've seen it as someone that's like part of it as, you know, everyone has, they're like does their thing in certain in like the scene and yeah. like yours was like from the off playing in a band which is pretty cool yeah I guess so like I met everyone either on on tours or at shows and they were my shows or shows I was playing um but I think I think that's really helped me and like me to be the person I am because I'm quite confident in how I go about with my band. And I just think from the start, I've just been very like, somehow I've always just been very like, hello, I'm in this band and this is my band and I'm playing. Like, and obviously all the time, you know, people try and like, uh, you know, um, subconsciously try and like unseat that confidence and that's fine. But um, I think that's helped me and it's like kind of made, made fresh the band they are in terms of like how, how out there we are which I'm I'm happy about because I haven't always been like this but it just was a complete coincidence of how I how I started music I guess I don't know I'd say personality wise I'm not like an overly confident like very like extrovert person but I do think I I am quite good at channeling that <laughs> yeah yeah maybe fresh gets that aspect of your personality yeah, like um, alter ego or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not in like a, um, yeah, in like a, like, I think that that's what, um, yeah, that's like something that's great with 
like music, I guess, or like anything where you can put like certain aspects of you into mm-hmm. like certain things, just like you've said, like certain things are different between fresh and like cheerleaders and like yeah. that's on purpose. I'm not saying that that's certain personality traits, but like yeah. it also comes with like st- certain things like that as well. Yeah, you're totally right. And like, I often, I always say to myself, like, I think the best version of myself is the version of myself I put forward in my bands. Like, and that doesn't mean that I wear sunglasses and call myself like Max Power or whatever, but like there is a little bit of like escapism and like elevation because like you're, you're doing something that is really special to you. And like, you, you know, like you never forget like how incredible it is. So there is definitely that that comes across. And can it be quite difficult coming back from like a week and a half as Catherine of Fresh to like uni where you've not been there for a few weeks and you've got like the people that you nod and say hello to at uni, like how are you doing? Like is that quite difficult or is that just I would, how it is? Yeah, I would say it, it has been difficult just because academia and the uni environment, there is a lot of academic ego and there is a lot of like, it's of, I mean, despite the university I go to and my department being lovely people and very committed to like student welfare, a university setting is not going to be as inclusive as a DIY show. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's more Mm. formal. So it is more intimidating. And like, obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm fine at uni, but I, I, I'm not like the top of all my classes, you know, there's actual French people in my degree, so I'm never going to be the top of my classes. Um, I remember like right before cheerleaders played uh, with Camp Cope at Islington Assembly Hall, quite often I'll go straight from uni to a gig if it's in London. And like I was sitting in my last lecture of the day, just like so excited that I was going to get to play with Camp Cope because I love them. Um, and to play like Islington Assembly Hall because it's a cool venue. I'd never played there before. And I was just yeah. like, like, oh, I wish it, someone would ask me what my evening plans were. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, what's everyone doing? Like anyone else? I don't know. Oh, me? Oh, me? Oh, nothing. You know, just like a little, a little gig, you know. <laughs> but that's like my pure ego, like coming in. So <laughs> I don't think people should indulge that because <laughs> I'd be unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uni definitely brings you back down to earth crushing back down to earth. <laughs> yeah and like I've recently noticed I post whenever I get a good mark in a paper or something but you no one sees when I get 58s and shit like I don't post that so like it's definitely not all not all fun and easy easy work for sure <laughs> yeah yeah but um you know that's as uh, I think that maybe hope hopefully we're all understanding more that the things that people post is oh, totally the like so it so then friends can be like that's so sick that you're thriving with this yeah rather than like understanding that everything's perfect in this person's world exactly and like I love Twitter for fresh like I use Twitter a lot for fresh and I do hope I think and I think and I try to like tweet in the kind of vein of like obviously like you know, this isn't, this isn't like a, a full view of like what's going on. And like, although we're doing well in here, you know, like everyone's mental health goes to shit. And I, in fact, Twitter seems to be like a real point of like sore soreness for some artists, because I think it is really hard to manage and it is really easy to get sucked into it. And so, yeah, like being a band and having, and having like, social media is weird I would say (laughs) 
Yeah, because I guess the whole point um, is to build this like persona brand, isn't it? And then depending on what that is, you kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but well, that's uh, the yeah. kind of expectation. But like, yeah, like like I would never tweet anything that I wasn't thinking. You know what I mean? And like the way yeah. I the way I love Twitter is that I can. I can talk to people and like, so like I first became friends with Nervous through Twitter. Like before I met Em in person, I was friends with Nervous on Twitter. Um, I think I first met Adult Mum on Twitter. Like it's, the, I see Twitter as a genuine way to like meet artists and like, and my goal, my end goal for everything is always to tour because like that's what I love. Um, yeah. So if if Twitter helps me do that, then that's great. And that's positive. But there are sides of Twitter and there's the impulse to like start playing this kind of industry game. Even when you're a fucking tiny band like Freshers, like it's like who gives a shit? But like there's definitely that pressure and you have to actively be like, no, like this is my Twitter. I'm posting what I want. Like, and I'm only going to post something that I fully back. It's like a conscious thing and it sucks. So Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, um, going on to touring, like it feels like um, Fresh has like a really nice um, like opportunities where you are like Fresh is obviously. I mean, it like you said earlier, like as like a small band, like yeah, but like as also as part of like what Fresh is a part of and the space that you you like a part of. You're also like a very popular band. Yeah. Um, it's like interest. Sometimes I find it interesting to like think of like, you know, sometimes people can project onto a band. Oh, this band's so popular, and then like we'll take a few steps back, and there's like thirty people in this room that love this band, <laughs> fifty people that are like interested in watching it, and then another yeah. twenty people like milling around. That's yeah. also incredible because if you're doing something that you authentically love and it resonates with people, then like there's nothing better from I believe in the world and that creates like such amazing things. But like um yeah, but like um I feel like Fresh has like amazing opportunities where you're able to like move into other people's worlds like and like mm-hmm. tour with other people and like play with other people's shows as like a I don't I really for some reason I really hate the term like support because yeah. But like but um I guess with those those um like say pup or that i guess it is more of like a support um but like you're also able to then like do your own thing when like play to a packed room at wharf chambers or like and like get the kind of bands that you want to play with i feel i mean i guess i'm telling you what i feel rather than asking you a question with that but i feel like it's a really you have like a really nice situation with fresh well i would agree with you and i would say that is a a astute observation like i i agree with you on that like Fresh, I really like moving into spaces where Fresh isn't the focus, like that pop tour. Like, you know, no one came to the show to see Fresh, but that's the great thing about it. Like, that is, it's a very different vibe to touring um, where you know people are there to see you. Um, And they both have, like, their merits. There's more pressure when you're the headliner. We recently started doing more headline shows, and I, I... I love them, but the pressure is real. Like you want to put on a really good show. You want to pick really good bands. Like you want to make sure everyone has fun and the show is a good place. Um, when you're a guest, like you can kind of just stick about, like it was great on that pup tour. Like we were just the first on, we could fucking sound check and leave our shit on the stage. We could fucking <laughs> run around and c- cause, cause mayhem. Like, 
um and and we got to watch real time as people like discovered our music and hopefully liked it like there were a lot of people who came up to me um more young girls than would be at normal at normal DIY shows I would think just because pup has that ability to reach into a different kind of strand and like they would come up to me and they would say that they were really excited that, you know, both Slutface and Fresh had a woman woman in them. And, you know, like that was really cool. And it was nice seeing like some genuine like enthusiasm um, because, I mean, um, Fresh have definitely played shows to a lot of like crossed arms, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so there's both of them are cool. Like I love touring. Touring is like my favorite thing. Um, I love performing. Um, it's just, it's, it's the only thing in my adult life that I can like equate to like the night before Christmas of like when you believe in Santa, <laughs> like the night before going on tour, you're like, Oh my fucking God, I'm so excited. And that doesn't mean touring is easy. Like there's been difficult tours of fresh and like really difficult things have happened on tour. And there's been really difficult mental health issues on tour, but I think I'm very comfortable on tour and I know how to tour. So yeah as opposed to recording, I don't feel like I'm there yet. I feel like I'm still not comfortable recording. Um, and that's something I'm excited to like become more at home at. Like I want to become more of a person who knows the mechanics of recording because yeah, my, I like performing. Um, other people are more kind of all about creating and recording and writing. And I just like getting out there and kind of doing the shared experience kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess if you're going to have those 60 records by the time you're 80, then at some point you'd hope that it's going to click. <laughs> In fact, during this, um, during the lockdown, um, Fresh has like, we've bought everyone like a recording interface and some equipment so that we can like send across demos to each other that are a bit more like sophisticated than the voice memo ones I do. Um, yeah. And like, I think as I was recording this, I think they got delivered like my my new like microphone, my pop shield, like... Um, Amazing. yeah so I'm excited so I I am and like Rich is our producer slash engineer slash dadager um <laughs> and like he has made recording I mean recording is inherently for me and I think it always will be quite a nerve-wracking experience and yeah. um, he's made it like a, a a really kind of cool experience where it's kind of like the beauty of it is that you you are going into this not knowing and you know he kind of understands what I want and he knows how to make that happen so that's good um yeah (laughs) yeah um just for people listening that might not know Rich like where can they find Rich and where does he record and stuff well Rich records out of resident studios and market stores um market store recordings um but because of the lockdown it's like quite an uncertain situation um so I would recommend that people just go to richmandel.com. Um let me just quickly check that that's the right web address and it is richmandel.com and then you'll be able to like contact him because as any freelance recorder um you always have to be kind of moving and kind of finding your own space and I know he's really excited and maybe keep always improving and always trying to find a space of his own which is really exciting. Um, so yeah, there's no one I would rather, you know, record with. I think for me and for fresh, I've found the person who understands the sound we want and he's a person that I could work with just the kind of personality he has. He's a great person to record with. He knows he's very like mindful 
but he's also kind of very focused. Like there's no bullshitting with him. Um, but he also, I mean, he, you know, happy accidents are an amazing band in their own right. And like, he knows exactly what it's like to be recorded and to write music and be a musician. So there's none of that kind of bullshit kind of fucking, I don't know, pretended superiority, especially as a woman recording songs. If I'm going to, if a man's going to record me, like I have to feel like I'm in control and be respected. Um, so that's why I, I like Rich. Um, and since I have recorded with him, I have that, that's what has kind of got me thinking more about recording mechanics and stuff. I'm not there yet, but it would be cool um, to become like to embrace recording a bit more and like get a bit more up to date with it, especially as I did work in a studio for like two years. <laughs> yeah, that'd be so cool. That's, yeah. Definitely. Um, I guess um, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll start wrapping up in a sec, but like um, you talked about, like you have like a real thought process, like you fresh as to what you want fresh's shows like yeah, to be like, what, yeah. What, um, yeah. Could you like go through that really? I think like for me, when I'm writing, it's a very like singular personal experience, but then the minute I show it to my bandmates and the minute we're all in a room, the four of us jamming that there's that kind of energy and that kind of complete new kind of new personality that the songs take on. And like, that is only because of like a collective experience. And so like when fresh play, I love that real time experience of just more people kind of, kind of joining in onto the process of a fresh song. And like, I think, and then that becomes kind of cyclical because a lot of what I write about is, experiences that I've come across directly on tour or like traveling or whatever you know what else am I going to write about like (laughs) um you know like significant moments for me and significant points in my life a lot a lot of them have been through my band and through touring so like the fact so I do feel like fresh informs touring and live shows and then live shows inform fresh's creativity if you know what I mean yeah that's amazing yeah and like also like I just love meeting people and chatting with people and seeing friends like the same friends turning up to the shows and the same people and like yeah it's just it's a great experience like before I played guitar I loved going to shows like yeah and so it's always been like the focal point of my position as a musician like so that 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 for me is like how have you fresh and I think yeah yeah I think I think that's just how it's always going to be I think it's personality as much as it is like how you came into music like I do think other people are better suited to the kind of long drawn out process of recording and stuff like that yeah that's so cool and I think that that's like really uh, like as an outsider like I really think that that's great as like like I was like we were saying with fresh being like so if someone comes to see pup who i would say pup is probably like a gateway band for a lot of people and then they see a band like fresh who can be like that second tier to as a gateway and then they'll go and see like a fresh show like six weeks later or two months later in the same city and then it's like what you're like it's the celebration it's it's trying to be as welcoming as possible exactly yeah which I think is like really nice. And I think Fresh is also a great band to, if I was 
however old I was when I was getting into music, Fresh mm. is great because it wears its like influences and its like peers and uh, on its sleeve, both yeah. with like the bands that you play with and like just like shouting out bands that you enjoy, which is like really nice. Oh my god, totally! Like I'm, I've, I'm so lucky. Like so many bands I've played with, I'm huge fans of, and I will never like hide that. Like the Pup Show, every night I was on side stage like singing along, and like some some other crew on the tour gave me weird looks the first few nights they just maybe they thought I was taking the piss or something but like no I genuinely love this band like I would be at these shows if I if I wasn't playing them and like that's how I I felt with the adult mum tour the Beth tour the Slingshot Dakota tour like I don't tour with bands I don't like like um and so when people if people get into fresh and then they come to a fresh show like I, I completely know what it's like to have people maybe never even assume that you could be a musician and like to dismiss you like that. And like there is no point having like pretension or any kind of self-imposed barriers to music. Like we're all here to have a good time. We're all here to like show off the music we've written and to show off what we can do. And like, you know, and to come together. I don't know, have a have a nice dance, look incredibly stupid on stage with Tamperine, <laughs> fucking Jesus. Like, you know, like you just have to completely t- throw away any kind of cool facade <laughs> and just make a complete idiot out of yourself. And people like that and people relate to that. And like, yeah, I'm glad they do because I do look so stupid on stage when I dance. <laughs> <laughs> Um, amazing I guess um, like so you also um, I guess there's probably like a perfect time really to start rapping yeah. up um, I know that you play in like me Rex too but I didn't really um, uh, go into oh, I haven't gone into that yet because I-, I thought that's more like you fulfilling someone else's like songs but is that like maybe is that a disservice to like I mean- it, it's it's kind of almost like fresh swapped around it's very much miles's songs um you should have miles on it because i'm sure he would have loads of really interesting things to say um about how he came into music and stuff but oh, amazing. I, I think i i love me rex as well because i am just a guitarist and like as someone who as a woman you're often coded as the singer even if you do play guitar even if you are writing songs um so it's really nice to kind of just be like oh yeah i play guitar and to maybe play some random noodly bits. And also there's the, you know, there's the pressure of, of this isn't my stuff that's gone. It's not my songs. Um, and I'm a, I'm a huge Murex fan. So, you know, it, yeah. Um, so I think it, it's, it's not as involved as I would be in fresh, but that's not because like I have less stakes in it. It's just because there's a different process and I have to respect that. Um, I, I, I feel like it's helped me gain a lot of confidence as a guitarist and just to stand on stage and maybe play parts that are a little bit more riffy as opposed to just straight rhythm chords. Um, mm. And the Mirex, Mirex is like such a fun and like really like lovely vibe. It's got Phoebe and Rich in as well. And it feels like a dream team or like a super group even. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's really cool. Um and I'm also playing in a band, but I can't say yet. Oh, okay. Secret. <laughs> right. <laughs> let's um, let's call it there. That's perfect. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Dot well, dot dot. For having me. No, no worries. I'm gonna press uh, stop recording now. Okay. <laughs>
There you go. Catherine from Fresh, Me Rex, Cheerbleeders. If you want to do a podcast um, during this time or any time, or you want some audio like made to sound good, hit up Liam, who's still like doing all the post edit of this podcast. He's at Liam C Audio on Twitter. He's an absolute diamond. He will help you um, and he will do anything that you need doing. And he's got a bit of spare time at the moment. Um, yeah, so please get in touch with him. Um, hopefully listen back to some few of the ones that you've heard before that I've put out before or um, there'll be a few coming out soon this is Withdraw by Fresh take care bye is the tape okay Liam sorry about the first 25 seconds